0: Has got him and a second back inside the 30 yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13
1: yard loss. Quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's
2: in. Touchdown 49ers. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks. On the other side of the speaker, I appreciate you tuning in. This episode is brought to you as always by Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made super easy, super fun, super entertaining, super everything. Head on over to PrizePicks.com/slash/gold and then use the promo code GOLD and they're going to match any first deposit up to 100 bucks. So if you're feeling salty, put in 100 bucks. They're going to match it. You're going to have 200 bucks in there. So again, PrizePicks.com/slash/gold. Check it out. It's a good time. Very simple, very easy. Highly recommend. We'll talk about it again later. Uh, Today, we are joined again for the second consecutive week by an individual, by a man, who was told that he was not allowed to be a member of the Blue Wire podcast network because the other website had their own podcast network. And then shortly after being told that he couldn't be a part of the Blue Wire podcast network, the other website disbanded their podcast network, leaving one of their, uh, hardworking employees hanging out to dry. Uh, I'm going to keep mentioning it. I'm going to keep digging at it because, uh, I don't know, because greedy corporate America sucks a little bit. Anyways, this, the man, the man himself, the, uh, the man on the, uh, that still remains on the graphic of the show, KP Kyle Posey joining us again. What's going on, dude?
1: What's up, man, excited to, uh, talk about this Raheem Morris hire, right?
2: I know, man. That's that's what it is. What, give me your give me your take. What's what's Raheem Morris mean for the checks the computer Falcons? That's right, the Falcons. Yeah, the Rams. I'm surprised.
1: Are we going to see that on social media? Right, find a way to spin it to a 49ers advantage since the
2: Rams lost somebody. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. It's just it's always good when it, when it, yeah you'll see those got to be issues. a divisional opponent gets weaker. <laughs> and then there's you they struggle there be- so much against the division, right? Right. But, I mean, like, and then there's the Pete Carroll thing. Uh, should the 49ers be excited that Pete Carroll's gone, or should they be worried that the Seahawks could upgrade?
1: Yeah, that's right. It depends on who they get. If it's Dan Quinn, hey, 49ers, you are good. Um, but if it's, like, God. Mike McDonald or, like, one of these younger, you know, up-and-coming minds who – um is is basically building their scheme to stop Shanahan that's what the scary part would be so
2: right there's never
1: enough you know nuance there, level of discussion like that so
2: no i know not not at all never enough nuance so shit man you know we talked about it last week and we said the 49ers moved on that we would we would jump back on here again and here we are the 49ers are now going to their third straight NFC championship the fourth in five years, I mean, I mean, you could have a, you could have a podcast just based on that in and of itself. That is insane to
1: say out loud, man.
2: It is. I mean, what do you, I don't know. Like I don't even really know where to start with a stat like that. Like obviously the very first thing you think of is they've been to that many MSU championship games and they have not won to a, won a Super Bowl. you know, like, I think that's the ultimate takeaway—the glass half-empty approach, I guess. But I remember well, one of my my buddies telling me, and he was a die-hard Cowboys fan, so I I don't listen to a word he says. But <laughs> he's like, "Well, if you don't win the Super Bowl, none of it matters. You're all the same." And I was like, "I was like, yeah. it's true. It's true to like a, a fucking absolute extent." But people that go to NFC Championship games don't get fired. People that that win three. You come home with the same amount of hardware as the same guy that won three games, but people that win get three games get fired and there's turnover. People lose their jobs. Players are shipped. You know what I mean? So it's not the same. But I don't know. What does three straight NFC championships mean to you? Well, I mean, it
1: would be five if they had a quarterback in 2020. Like, they were competitive in a lot of those games. Um, But they went six and ten because they had – Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard, so
2: we've got I think, them. Nick Bosa, <laughs> <laughs>
1: right? Um, I think it's incredible, man. I think it kind of speaks to the consistency of Kyle Shanahan, right? That like there's there are good coaches all over, but if you don't, if your message isn't getting across, like what are you worth? What's your value? So I think when you hear the players talk about Shanahan and what he means, I mean the results, the proofs in the pudding. So. I think it's really cool. I think it's uh, the way that they're structured. There's a reason that they're here and there's a reason that there's a lot to believe that they'll be back here again. Right. Coming up next year and the year after.
2: Well, and it's, you know, it was always when the 49ers first Kyle co- hired Kyle Shanahan, it was, you were hiring a guy with, with like a schematic knowledge second to none. And then, you know, that was his first head coaching job and they had to wait for him because he was in the Super Bowl and, you know, all the, I just kind of thinking about that. And then the John Lynch news happened. And I mean, and now like no one can deny how good of a job both of those people have done. And it, it, what's crazy is it's almost like it's in spite of themselves in a way, you know, Kyle Shanahan has some tendencies that hurt him every now and then John Lynch. They haven't always drafted great. And they just shipped a, a quarterback off for a fourth round pit that cost, cost them three first round, you know, but they're like winning in spite of, themselves in some ways. And if you go back and look at the roster of like, or the roster and the team when it was, you know, Jim Tom Sula and Chip Kelly, and then you then you contrast that with four NFC championships in five years. Like, that is some, that is some fucking crazy results. Just how quick they were able to turn around
1: from 2017 to 2019 after sucking for those years. And now it's just like elite, like, um, one of the the coaches who left for the Texans, he told me like they are the gold standard of the franchise. Like everybody or of the NFL, everybody wants to be like them. So for them to turn around that quickly is just like mind-boggling. Is it is, man? Is this is. the beginning of what's this generation's version of Bill Belichick?
2: Well, I mean, you got to obviously you, you got to have right? some hardware to show for yeah. it. Yeah i think that he's achieving the same he's in the ballpark of that level of success you know like his teams are that good you can quote his his overall win percentage with the 49ers kyle shanahan's which is not great but we all know that that's heavily skewed by a first year that was essentially a rebuild year and then you know a year and a half or whatever it equals out to where they were trying to figure out who the hell was their quarterback you know it's just crazy. There's, I mean, like I said, this could be an entire podcast of itself. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, So give me your thoughts just off the cuff. Um, now that, especially now that we have time to digest it, what'd you think of the uh, Packers game?
1: Yeah, I think it, if anything, it kind of proves how good this team is, right? In, in a weird way, because Murphy's Law, what could go wrong did go wrong on both sides of the ball, on special teams. The Packers... Like, it seemed – watching it, it seemed like they were dominating the game. And then you look at some of the stats that they have afterwards. Like, nope, they really didn't do much of anything on offense. And then you look at all the, you know, hidden yards, whether it's pass interference, um, the 27 plays where the 49ers slipped (laughs) and gifted the the Packers a first down or a touchdown.
2: Oh, where can I – where can I find that? You had – Somewhere – is was it on Twitter? Somewhere you put out a a list of every play where the 49ers had some stupid shit happen. Was that on yeah, Twitter?
1: I, t- I tweeted it out. And it, it seriously is – so they had nine defensive drives, like where I'm eliminating.
2: Okay, I found it.
1: Downs. On seven of the drives, like, they handed the Packers field position. Like, it was – there were a few times where it was on third down too. One one part that I didn't even bring up was, like, there was a kick return, yeah. But on that long kick return, the Packers fumbled and recovered. Like, the ball bounced right to him. That does that not – That dude had, you.
2: like, one of the best fumble recoveries I've ever seen.
1: That's what I'm saying. You've been around football. You've watched these games. That does not happen. Like, the, for the ball to bounce <laughs> like that, in no way does the ball just bounce right back to you um, or with the guy chasing, obviously. But that that was – So many outliers and anomalies in that game where I just like, man, and obviously the surface uh, played a big part for Purdy as well. You know, he he went into the game thinking, you know what, I'm going to wear a glove in the ring. That lasted three plays. Took that bad boy off, and then all you did, all you can see, you know, after every time he threw the ball was the the camera panning in on him, wiping his hands off. Uh, During so the drop it, back. Yeah, yeah, man. So there were there was a lot that went wrong. And I don't want to say the 49ers played with their food because it feels like you're taking away what the Packers did. But, you know, after we were rewatching the game, you just never felt like, you know, the 49ers were being dominated. So for them to escape that game with how – with all the elements involved, the literal elements um, – I I think that they are in a prime position to bounce back against whoever the next opponent would be. It just so happens to be the Lions. So um, my takeaway was, yeah, like it came away that they were fortunate at first, but like when they needed to be, they were better. They were better in the red zone. They stuffed Green Bay when they did end up getting inside the red zone. They only converted two of their five uh, red zone trips into touchdowns. You know, they came away with no points on some of those drives. Their best players stepped up when they needed to, whether it was on offense or on defense. And like that's what you need at this stage. So it helps to have a bunch of good players,
2: and the 49ers do. I'm gonna read I'm gonna read your post real quick, just because I found it very entertaining. All right. So uh, defensive drives. Yeah, here's KP breaking down exact like everything that happened on every drive of the 49ers on defense. First drive, A. B. Thomas commits a defensive pass interference penalty on third and six, and it looked like whether he committed the penalty or not, it would have been an, un. the pass would not have been caught, but um I, that's, I'm just, that's off memory. Second drive. Sean Gibson gets flagged for defensive pass interference on second and 10. Charverius Ward slips when guarding Romeo Dobbs en route to a 38 yard completion. Third drive coverage bust on the first play. leaves Jalen Reed wide open for a 27 yard gain. Fourth drive. Uh, Avery Thomas commits a 41 yard defensive appearance penalty, defensive pass interference penalty and in third and 15. On third and 15, Deshaun Gibson slips on the next play, allowing a 19-yard touchdown. Fifth drive starts at the 20-yard line after the kickoff unit allows a 73-yard return, and they recovered a crazy-ass fumble. Uh, Sixth drive, nothing wonky happens. Straight Greenlaw intercepts Jordan Love on third and 11. Weird. Seventh drive. (laughs) Seventh drive, the 49ers play sound defense and force a punt. Eighth drive, Aaron Jones makes makes Logan Ryan miss one-on-one and races for a 53-yard gain. Fred Warner also like crazy over pursued on that play yeah. and flew way out there. And that's what exactly what, um, Steve Wilks talked about today. Like guys moving way too horizontally and not enough vertically. And, you know, uh, the guys that are just taking themselves out of place. Um, uh, ninth drive, Greenlaw seals the game with an interception. So yeah, as you can see on, on like 80% of the drives, 90, 85% of the drives, there was something sort of out of character. I'm not going to say an Ambry Thomas pass interference is necessarily out of character, but in the situation that it is very third least and about, 15, right? Third and 15. And you're giving up a 41 yard pass interference. By the way,
1: if you watch the play, Logan Ryan deserves a lot of blame for that as well, because he was in no man's land. They're running cover four, and he had no other responsibilities. Um, the, In my opinion, the reason you bench, quote unquote, bench, the rookie is so he doesn't make those kind of mistakes. But you you would have had no idea that that wasn't a rookie out there the way uh, Ryan looked on a a few occasions. So um, that was another thing that probably isn't talked about as much. Like they had a veteran safety out there who was supposed to just be sound. You know, do the right thing. Don't have to be, you don't have to go above and beyond. You know, make tackles for loss, have interceptions. Just don't mess up. And he did multiple times.
2: Well, and then and then Steve Wilkes was asked today, you know, where where he he fell with Jair Brown, and Steve Wilkes didn't have an answer. Like he didn't say he didn't say it was Logan Ryan back there about back out there. He's like, yeah, we're still working through it. Which to me says Jair Brown's probably going to play more than he did. Yeah,
1: Yeah.
2: Um, Obviously, the 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 discourse that was just impossible to miss was. People just continuing to lose their shit over Brock Purdy and the fact that he had a, a less-than-stellar game because all football players have great games over and over and over and over. What I mean, what's your take on the way Purdy played, the shit that people are saying, uh, You know what you've seen said about him? And I don't want to give it too much of a platform because in most cases it's just people being told to talk about
1: Yes, it, you can it, tell. It's, it's being gen- manufactured or generated to, right. to get views, clicks, or whatever. Like there's not much substance, there's not much thought going behind what's being said. So Purdy did not play well. Like there's no way to sugarcoat it. He had he just couldn't control the ball. And obviously that was a lot to do with the conditions that he was playing in. Um, whether it's QB measurable, small hands, whatever you want to call it, he didn't he was not accurate with the football. Have you seen that was. Burger
2: King commercial? Okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all right. Keep going. My bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah.
1: Um, so, but my takeaway wasn't that. So, think about it. Like, everything we've talked about, how he just wasn't an accurate player in the conditions. And all you heard this week was, you know, Kyle Shannon doesn't trust Brock Purdy. He's taking the ball out of his hand. What? Is, like, he doesn't, like, he's not going to let him throw. What game were you watching? Like, how he could you, you watch He threw the ball, that? like, 40 times. He th- he threw the ball more than he's ever thrown it all season, Rob. So in the, in the rain, in against a team who Shanahan has diced up on the ground. So with Christian McCaffrey, and he's taking the ball away from twenty three, putting it in 13's hands, and it's in a new. It's not like they were trailing what. Uh, so they were down ten, but it's not like they were. It was ever um, like Shanahan's going to run the ball. So it felt like a neutral state game, a neutral game script. For much of the game, and it's still just like we're gonna let Purdy throw. We're gonna let Purdy throw. So the talking point just couldn't be. It just comes off so short sighted in my mind. Um, like he, it's so clear that he, this is Brock's offense, and Kyle trusts him a hundred percent. So like, I think that's a good sign. And again, I, I just have a hard time thinking the plays that he made. There are a few, quite a few, actually those are sustainable. Like some of the throws, some of the throws to Jennings, like he he does that quite a bit, especially over the middle. He's very good at timing and layering throws over the middle. Um, and like he's done that all season as opposed to spraying the ball underneath to Christian McCaffrey and missing him by four yards or high, whatever it may be like. We haven't seen that all year. So why are we to expect that that's going to be the case You know, the NFC Championship game, Super Bowl, preseason week, well, just ever again. We we haven't seen that before. So the odds of it happening, again, I feel like are just slim to none. Um, It's, again, like you're not going to get this kind of nuance because you see it. And a lot of people have been waiting (laughs) so long for this to happen because, like, Ryan Clark, for example, he got on TV. God, this is so dumb. Gets on TV and says, it hurts me in my stomach to, to have to put this guy in the same combo as Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. What? First of all, who's forcing you to do that? Nobody. Right. Second of all, Allen turns the ball over every freaking game. So uh, you can't pick and choose when you want to talk about turnovers and bad plays. It's, it's really strange, just the narratives and the media, how they can control that and what they want to, you know, ignore and what they choose to ignore. So, I like, Brock had a bad game. And then when quarterbacks need to make plays, like he did time and time again. So I I didn't – I didn't, really didn't think much of it, right? Bad game, move on. And they,
2: they won because he made throws. You can't ignore that. Why do you – a question that me and my brother were talking about. Why do you think that more people aren't, like, rooting for Brock Purdy and, like, celebrating – obviously 49ers fans are, but – why do you think we don't see more people talk like celebrating what he's doing? Like it's like everybody's forgotten the fact that this is his second year in the NFL. Like in at any position for anybody to be having consistent success in their second year is impressive. A Let month alone
1: he turned twenty-four.
2: Right, and he's a obviously everybody knows that he's Mister Irrelevant. That he was a seventh-round pick. This is his second year in the NFL. He's coming off of. Although, you know, essentially season-ending surgery. Uh, it was just done at the end of the season. So, you, you mean, it's weird to call it that, but it ended his season. Uh and you know, like, this dude is like the absolute epitome of the underdog story. Like, yeah. no, none of this that's happening should be happening. Like, it's absolutely unprecedented. Up until this point, a Mr. Irrelevant quarterback had never even completed a pass in an NFL game. Now you've got one in his second NFC championship game in his first two years as a player. And yeah, I don't give a shit that he's got Kyle Shanahan and talented players. Like, that's almost like a prerequisite for success in the NFL. Like, you really don't ever have great players succeeding in spite of everything that's going on around them. You know, like, it it just doesn't. I think
1: that's why, right? So most underdog stories are, you know, solo stories. People see the 49ers. And they see McCaffrey, Ayub Debo, Kittle. And it's impossible to separate what Brock's done, what Brock's doing, and, like, give him credit because there's so much talent around him.
2: You I think it's I mean? impossible for people that haven't truly watched him play.
1: Yeah, that's fair, too. Because when, you, like, we've, we've seen all these games and we've seen what the offense looked like before he was under center and just how much different it is now and how much more they throw the ball, where they throw the ball, you know, how effective everybody else is. And I think people th- people are under the impression that, you know, you can just drop anybody in this offense and then, you know, they'll be able to roll out of bed and score 40 points. And that's just not the case, man. I think he's so his stature doesn't come off as like a gunslinger or like, you know, a risk taker. But that's exactly who he is. And that's how he's always been. So maybe it's just you know the preconceived notions not lining up with how you would think a person who looks like Brock Purdy would play the game. Um Josh actually talked about it at the podium today where he said the one throw the money throw to Jennings on third down late in the game, I think it was the beginning of the fourth quarter. He said, I thought it would have been it should have been a check down until Juwan caught it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, like he he's not going to go by the book. And I don't know. I I think it's a lot of again the preconceived notion where people just You can't accept him for who he is, which is a really freaking good quarterback. And maybe it has to do with a lot of, you know, the hyperbole where (laughs) there are some reporters who compared his drive to Joe Montana. And like there's I know there's never, you know, John
2: Candy drive.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's there's never, you know, um, we can't live in the middle. It's always either one end of the spectrum or the other. So that doesn't um, doesn't help when we're getting uh, hyperbolic statements on both sides.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. By saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Well, and it's, yeah, and there's also like this, this kind of like it. People are unwilling to accept the idea that you could win in multiple ways in the NFL. Like you can, God forbid. You don't have to be 6'5 and you don't have to be a freak athlete. That helps. But it's not a requirement to win. And you don't have to be a pocket passer. You don't have to stand you know, be erect in the in the pocket and just sit there and dice apart a part of defense. But you can still do that. And Brock Purdy is some weird mix of the two. You know, he's he's small, but he's he's not a statue, and he's not, you know, he's not a runner, but he can run. And he usually you know what I mean, he's some weird mix of it. But the game NFL's game day account tweeted out a picture earlier. That said Brock Purdy on downfield passes, passes that traveled 10 plus air yards, 62.7 completion percentage. That's first in the NFL, 15 yards pass yards per attempt. That's first in the NFL, 19 touchdowns. That's third in the NFL and 130 passer rating. First in the NFL on, on the passes that people usually use to define a good quarterback, you know? And I also saw this TikTok from a dude. I wish I wrote down his name. He showed, you know, those, um, those NFL next gen stats that show like the green bubbles for completed passes and where they oh, were yeah. on the field. The chart. Right. And and it was, and he was like, he was like, oh man, look at Brock Purdy's game. All these passes are within five yards or behind the line of scrimmage. Oh, that's not Brock Purdy. That was uh that's um fucking Josh Allen. And then oh yeah. okay, oh, we'll look at this one. Yeah, look at this one. Okay, this one's a little different. This one's you know, mostly around the line of scrimmage, five plus yards down the field. Maybe a couple little further. Oh, nope. That was Jordan loves my bad. I'm sorry. And then he goes to the next one. He's like, this, this, this. And he's like, oh, look at this one. This one's like, nothing's shorter than five yards. Everything's past the five yard line, 10 yards, some 15 yards. Oh, this one's Brock Purdy's. What the hell? Like, and it, and it was just like eviscerating the idea that the dude just like, well, that's the talking point, right?
1: So you, you would assume, and maybe it's because the 49ers have this nickname of the yak bros that everything comes after the catch first of all like that's most offenses <laughs> and if you just again if you watch him he actually passes up checkdowns more often than not i would say he's more like he lives in the middle like the intermediate portion um and then after that like deep and if like twists his arm <laughs> like maybe he's going to check down or going underneath but that's just not what he does at all
2: yeah, usually with Jimmy Garoppolo and i um, we've it's not you don't really need to compare the two because the way they play the position is completely different, but with Jimmy Garoppolo it was you're, you you used to consistently hear about how he would pass up deep shots or bigger plays in favor of the easy ones, whereas with Purdy it's the opposite. There's we've heard him and Kyle Shanahan both say in press conferences that maybe sometimes you should hit the checkdown and that's still going to be a successful play with some yards after the catch. You know, it's a complete, everything's completely inverse, you know, like in, in terms of the quarterback play we've seen in San Francisco since we got here, you know, it's like, it's, it's just crazy. The shit people make up that are just kind of, you can tell they're just disconnected enough and they just haven't been watching 49ers football enough to see the drastic difference that Purdy has made when he stepped in from the very first fucking game, the one he wasn't even supposed to come in for against the dolphins. You know, like, and then it just kind of ramped up from there. And and it's, I'm not, I'm not talking him out to be some, you know, top five quarterback. I don't know. Maybe you could squeeze him into the top 10. Maybe he doesn't even belong in the top 10. Maybe he's like top 12, but he's really fucking good in this offense. And that's all that matters because that's where he is. And that's reality. You know? Yeah. He's
1: exactly what Kyle Shannon needs under center. And I think, that's where the talking point needs to end or needs to start and end. Who cares about anything else? He is a person who processes very he well. He is a person. <laughs> He's a quarterback who processes well. He's a quarterback who, um, like you said, uh, he, he will take the occasional deep shot. He will live over the intermediate part of the field. He will throw into tight windows. Like It's it's really cool to see. Um, be so aggressive because it hasn't happened in a long time.
2: Right. Right. All right. Before we get into lions, let's talk. Uh, let's talk Prize Picks. KP and I, KP and I, have already gone through. Uh, my Prize Picks. We kind of made these picks together. Um. So the first one was a gimme. It was a Prize Pick sale. Uh, again, if you do, if you're not on this Prize Pick train, you've got to get on the Prize Pick train. PrizePicks.com/slash/gold promo code gold daily fantasy sports. You're picking two to six players. You're picking more or less on all sorts of stats, on all sorts of sports. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's very easy. It's intuitive. Check it out. Okay. Prizepicks.com slash gold. Um, The first entry was Christian McCaffrey. I think, per my prize picks, that Christian McCaffrey is going to have more than half a yard rushing. And I know that that is, that's, I mean, that's ballsy of me, you know, but I think he is. No, Price Mix is doing a sale. He was listed as like 88 yards rushing, which I still would hit the over on. Um, But uh, they did a sale tour. You know, it's essentially a gimme, which is nice. So KP and I also went with Brock Purdy, more than 276 passing yards. Um, If you go back to last week, KP made up a great point. In the rain, in a game where he was struggling, he still had 252 passing yards. So 24 more than that. In good weather against a defense that can be passed upon quite a bit. Uh, I expect that to, uh, he'll probably get into 300. Um, we went with more than George, more than 61 and a half receiving yards for George Kittle. Um, just seems like, you know, if you're, if, if you're, gun- to me, I how do I say this. To me, George Kittle and Debo Samuel exist in the same realm of what they bring to a football field. Does that make sense? Like, they're both guys that you want to lean on in in tough games, in physical games, in games where you have to set the tone more than just you know scoring points. You know, you have to you have to establish something. So, if Debo is not going to be a hundred percent, and we haven't talked about that yet, but we went a little bit, then I think some of the magic that you get from Debo goes to George Kittle. Does that make sense? Yeah, I
1: mean, you could also just say Kittle's going to be faster than whoever's guarding him, so it's going to be tough for them to keep up with George Kittle. And We saw
2: last week he, he's going to have an explosive play, right? Like that- it's amazing, to your point again, it's amazing how, how little we have seen that throw to George Kittle because everybody wants to run with the Brock Purdy sucks game or Brock Purdy's liability game, but nobody has talked about that throw to Kittle, at least not nearly as much as you would think.
1: Um, So we can maybe factor that in where you're going to have a Brock Purdy scramble, and that's going to lead to an explosive play, whether that's Kittle, whether that's Oiyuk. And then there's going to be another catch where Kittle breaks a tackle, and there's 15, 20 more yards right there. So um, before he gets his usual, you know, five, six, seven, eight targets, whatever it may be, two of those are probably going to be for 15, 20-plus yards. So there's half the battle right there, more than half.
2: And then the last one we've got here is Jameer Gibbs to have uh, Lions running back to have more than 22 and a half receiving yards. KP, how do you see that one playing out?
1: Yeah, so game script, right? You're assuming that the 49ers are going to be able to lead. The, the Lions are going to be one-dimensional, probably going to need to throw the ball a lot. When the Lions are down, they're going to have Gibbs in the backfield, and it's going to be check down City. So if you go back to a game way way back, week seven, when the Lions got their teeth kicked in by the Ravens and they were down the entire game, Gibbs had ten targets. So like we're assuming that he's going to have a lot of targets. When the Lions lost to Green Bay, uh, week twelve, he had eight targets. When they were going neck and neck with the great Nick Mullins, game. Oh. In, Remember the, the
2: Raiders game. <laughs> Week seventeen
1: and <laughs> week sixteen, he had seven targets. So, um, when they need to drop back and score, Gibbs is going to be on the field, and he's probably going to get uh, the ball underneath quite a bit.
2: Yeah, that that one, that one to me seems like a, almost a no brainer. Um, which means he's not going to have any catches, right? Right, of course, of course. But Jameer Gibbs, extremely talented. All right, we'll we'll get into him though. We'll we'll talk about him like actually right now. Um, again, before we before we part ways with this this segment. Go to PrizePix.com/gold. Use the promo code GOLD, and uh, they're going to match any deposit you make up to 100 bucks. And uh, get in on the entry. There's a grand total. As we sit, there is a grand total of three NFL games left. Three of them. So if you're going to jump on the picks bandwagon, there's no time, better time than now. You know, put in put in 15 bucks and 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 bet five bucks a game. I don't care how you do it, or or max it out at 100. I don't care, but. Put a you know, paycheck yeah. on it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. That's I, I did not. I did not recommend that. <laughs> um, uh, all right. So the Lions, before we even get into kind of like the statistical stuff, um, you wrote a very in-depth and very long preview. Um, I recommend everybody go to Niners which is where KP comes from. And uh, the title is why the 49ers will be in position to win another Super Bowl after Sunday. Uh, And it's a whole preview about how the lions have benefited from some luck, how they match up against the 49ers, uh, how he expects Brock to play and kind of bounce back a little bit. Um, And KP is not a blow smoke up your wazoo type of guy. If, if he, if somebody needs to be criticized, if somebody's, you know, I'm just saying that it's not all sunshine and rainbows
1: preview, baby.
2: Right. Right. So, um, KP, tell us, tell me about that article. And kind of just combine that with just your general thoughts on the Lions. I think that article does kind of set up your general thoughts on the Lions. But so anyways, just talk to me about the Lions.
1: Yeah, so over the past, I mean, we can go back a month probably. You know, speaking of Nick Mones, he had two starts against the Lions and like he carved them up. He did turn over the ball quite a bit, which you cannot do against anybody. But the overarching theme here is like, when the lions have to play defense, they're going to give up yards and they're going to give up a lot of yards. And they've been very fortunate, whether it's, you know, fumbles inside the red zone, turnovers in their own territory, just the way that we talked about Murphy's law for the 49ers um, last week, the lions have been getting the ball bouncing their way in their favor for a good port- portion of the last month. So like, just in that sense, and, they haven't had turnovers either. Like think about it. Like Jerry Goff has been playing clean games this entire time. But the last time he was on the road, that was not the case. The last time he was on the road was a month ago. So like for all this talk about the Lions recently, like they haven't had a, a road game in a month. Um and then we just talk about the other side of the ball, right? Their their defense. Um, the the box scores don't look like they're giving up a ton of points, but if last week, first, first of all, Jared Goff throws an interception in the end zone last week. Like there are just so many instances where it's like, man, how many lives do these guys have that like, they're getting away with so much? Well, technically way- a
2: lion the- is a cat. Yeah,
1: there we go. <laughs> Fun <laughs> fact. I, I lion, solved it. <laughs> a lion is indeed a cat. Um, just the way that you look at this game, you would think, a Kyle Shanahan-led offense with multiple All Pros would be able to bounce back against a team that's pretty much bottom five, bottom ten in every statistical meaningful statistical category on defense. Assuming that they don't just you know pee down their leg when it comes to scoring in the red zone or just getting into the Lions' territory. So uh, the Lions have been pretty fortunate. And that's not to say, like, they don't have playmakers. Jameer is he's going to be a great player. Sam Laporte is a very good player. But they don't, they're do not they not also not healthy on the offensive line. So we, we've we seen Goff be clean this entire time. But now he's playing against or playing with a backup left guard who was an undrafted free agent in 2021. And every time he's played this season, he has gotten beaten like a drum. We were talking about a center who was very good, but he is not healthy. He has two injuries. So, I mean, you just – you tie all that in to a team with a defensive line who they have heavily invested in. And then on the other side of the ball, I, I just think that the Niners' speed is going to make a, a big difference and they're going to be able to spread the lines out pretty good here. And we're going to see what – we're going to see the version of Brock Purdy when he doesn't have to play in weather conditions. And for whatever reason, that's getting lost this week. Like last week, thing of the past, in my mind, you, you turn the page because those conditions are not going to be this week's conditions. So the talking points from last week, they're not going to matter. Um, I, I, there, there is a lot that points to the direction of the 49ers having a lot of success on both sides of the ball, whereas the margin for error for the Lions just doesn't exist. And last week, the 49ers... Talking about margin for error, they really, uh, they really push that envelope, and yeah. we're still able to to come away with a victory. So, I I really struggle here finding the path to a Lions victory, whereas we we just like if we were to go down like like we just did for the defense last week, uh, for the offensive mistakes, for the special teams mistake. Um, mistakes, I should say, because we haven't talked about the freaking block kick, right?
2: So there's more points off the board. Um, just, Does that get blamed on you know. the kicker? Like, do people are are blocked kicks the kickers fall? I think so. Okay. I mean, I'm not even really sure where that falls. I mean, the kicker I don't know is if that's right or not. I, just,
1: I think so. Okay.
2: okay. Yeah. No. I don't, I don't know either.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, twenty let's say the 49ers, let's say they get to 27, right? Let's just say that they they only have three more points than they did last week, despite not scoring in the first quarter and going what felt like, we're, we're so spoiled by this team. Like, we, we think anything under 35 is just the worst thing ever. So let's uh-huh. the fact as if they score 27. Like, where do you see the Lions getting to 28? Outside of turnovers. Just really hard for that to... Um, for that to come to fruition.
2: Yeah, it's I mean, if if you look through the numbers, the, the impressive thing or the, the thing that I saw about the Lions and the 49ers that I thought was pretty, I mean, interesting to an extent is that it's two teams that are kind of like they're they're similar. Their their formulas are very similar. You know, you they both teams have a quarterback that's seen as whether it's right or wrong. That seam is like kind of like part of an equation, not necessarily the solution. Both teams on offense have a bevy of, of talented skill position players. Uh, Lions have two good running backs in, in Gibbs and Montgomery. Uh, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown is one of the best receivers in the NFL at this point. Um, uh, Sam Laporta is kind of developing into a, an immediate star tight end. And despite the fact that he's dealing with an injury, he looks perfectly healthy. Um, definitely playing through, you know, doing a good job of playing through it. And then even when you get into statistical stuff or, you know, even on the defensive side of the ball, they both got star pass rushers and Aiden Hutchison, you know, 49ers have Nick Bosa, but that's kind of where things, the comparisons start to fall apart. The lions on offense, very good offensive line is dealing with some injuries. Um, 49ers offensive line is decent, decent enough to, you know, to have gotten them this far. But on the defensive side of the ball things start to fall apart. Linebackers, obviously there's no comparison to be made there. Um Detroit's safeties are decent, you know, but where they where they What's the best word here? The things start to fall apart when it comes to defending the pass. Um the Detroit Lions on offense are statistically almost identical to the 49ers in every single category. It's it's kind of crazy. You know, like points per game, the 49ers are third, the Lions are fifth. 28.9, 27.1. Yards per game, the 49ers are second, the Lions are third. Uh, Passing yards per game, the 49ers are sixth, the Lions are fourth. Rush yards per game, the 49ers are third, the Lions are fifth. So, like, on offense, they're, you know, even from um, a theoretical standpoint where you look at how the offenses are, are made up, you know, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs combined equals something like a Christian McCaffrey. You know, you've got Christian McCaffrey is just good at doing both things, you know, whether it's running down the middle outside or catching the ball. And then on defense, defensive front, the Lions stack up with the 49ers in terms of kind of, you know, what they're made up of. They've been having and they're good against the run. They're better against the run than the 49ers in most cases. Um, but the 49ers aren't necessarily bad against the run, and I, I, I expect maybe they'll be a little less bad against the run after what Aaron Jones just did to them, and a lot of that came off one play, but the play still happened, so you can't just necessarily take it away. And But again, the, where the comparisons stop is numbers against the pass, and the Detroit Lions are one of the absolute worst teams in the NFL in terms of defending the pass. They are 27th in total yards. They are 26th in total touchdowns. They are um, one like 29th 30th in passing yards per game. Now when you're good against stopping the run, offenses usually have no choice but to pass the ball but you usually don't see it in like that type of disparity. Now here's an interesting stat for you KP I want you to tell me if there's some some meat on this bone. The Lions at home. Now, remember, the Lions play in a dome. They play indoors. It's Detroit. Of course they do. Um, I mean, I see that, and then you've got somebody up there, psychopaths like Lambeau Field, but it made it work. Um, the Lions at home, 30 points per game. The Lions on the road, 24 points per game. The Lions on any outdoor stadium, 19 points per game. Now, I it would have been cool if I... If I had, let me, you know, I might have it right here. No, it doesn't have it right here. No offense, scoring, give me points per game. No, you don't have points per game on here. Uh, 19 points per game, I would assume, would probably be one of the worst offenses in the NFL.
1: Especially for a miscalibrated team. We have to
2: account for who we're talking about, right? We're talking about a team
1: that's in the NFC Championship.
2: Right. So I'm, I'm just really quickly punching in... Points per game here. Here we go. Points per game. Uh, Dallas <laughs> led uh, is first with thirty points per game. San Francisco is third with twenty eight p- point six points per game. Detroit overall is fifth with twenty seven point two points per game. But again, in, in any any outdoor stadium, which obviously would also be an away game since they're on, they're in a dome, nineteen points per game. Nineteen points per game would put them somewhere between 23rd and 25th in the NFL. And, you know, they're coming to Santa Clara. It's not like some type of adverse weather conditions. It's supposed to be like 70 degrees and sunny. But to me, there is a, a very discernible difference. And I should have done when to loss record because I know that's not great either uh, in terms of their games outdoors. But, I mean, do you think there's anything to that? Or do you think I'm just kind of like, I just found a nifty stat?
1: No, I mean, I have their like all their scores brought up here they that's a little inflated they scored 41 against the Chargers they scored 33 against well, in the in the, the
2: Chargers is indoors too essentially
1: yeah like so that doesn't count the same the Vikings they scored 30 against the Vikings so like these are quote-unquote road games um but for a lot of them like you can just tell like they just were not the same on the road the offensive output just wasn't anywhere near what it you know what it was, and it's effectively near the home game. So, like the Bears, Week fourteen, golf throws for one hundred and sixty one yards on so four point six yards per attempt, one touchdown, two interceptions. Um, just not good. So there, there are a couple examples like that. Dallas, he throws two interceptions. I know it's inside, but when he's not in the confines of his own stadium, just a much, much different player. And I think a lot of that can be con- uh, contributed to. Not having that big lead, not having to lean on, not being able to lean on the run game like he's used to. So I, I think there are a lot of signs pointing to, or that lead you to believe, like, hey, like they really are a different team when they're playing on the road. Or earlier in the year, um, they—I don't think they were nearly as good. Like, that. I mean, it's a long, long time ago. But when they when they basically play a team with a pulse, which they did not do a lot <laughs> this year. Um, the Lions were hardly competitive is, is the best way to put it. So this is going to be comfortably the best team the Lions have faced since Baltimore in week seven. And they lost that game 38-6. to six. So that was on the road. And I know and that's – outdoors. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like it's – it's an, it feels like an extreme example in your cherry picking, but like golf fumbled twice in that game. Like he's outdoors. I mentioned that Chicago game. Or the I, well, There was another game he fumbled a bunch too. I think it was the Packers. I, I don't know where that was, but um, for, for whatever reason, man, he's just not comfortable on the road. And you mentioned the line, like that their interior line being banged up is only going to make life difficult because now we're going to look at Eric Armstead who like, played very well last week and he wasn't supposed to play that well. This week was supposed to be the week he's supposed to be better just because, you know, you have another game under your belt. You're going to be in more game shape. Um, I It's going to be very difficult for the Lions backup to block him, let alone their starter. So you get him and Hargrave screaming down your throat against a, a quarterback who cannot move. Like, let's let's be honest. He's as immobile as it gets. So um, there's a lot going against the Lions in this
2: spot. That, to me, with what you just said, is the – if I had to pick one thing just one thing that the 49ers have to do to win this game. And there's a lot of things you can pick and make arguments for, but to me, and I wrote this down on my notes, the absolute key to this game is the 49ers defensive front, like not Brock Purdy, not throwing the ball, not the offense, the 49ers defensive front. If they can be halfway decent against the run and force the lines into obvious passing downs, the four, this is the first quarterback I mean, I don't want to say this Hold on. Let me, let me let me pull this up right now. Jordan Love certainly does not qualify. Let me look here.
1: Are you looking for just like immobile quarterbacks that they played?
2: Right. <laughs> yeah. Like- How long has it been since they faced one that was just truly as much of a statue as as Jared Goff is? Love well,
1: love had about three or four plays last week where he made with his legs and it was just like a hat tip. Wow. Right. Those are not going to be made. So Again, let alone. I'll
2: eliminate there. the Rams game because that was just kind of a throwaway game for everybody. Obviously, Jordan Love doesn't count. The Commanders, uh, Sam Howell doesn't count. He's actually pretty. I mean, he's not a running quarterback, but he's he's pretty athletic. Um And then you've got Lamar Jackson, and then you've got um, Kyler. Kyler Murray, and then <laughs> you've got. So I guess Geno is. I mean, would you even put Geno Smith in that category? I mean, Geno's a pocket passer, but he's yeah, he yeah. can move a he's, little bit. Yeah, so let's let's go to Geno Smith. So, and, and and even then, Jared Goff more immobile than Geno Smith, less of a mover than Geno Smith. Then you've got Jalen Hurts, obviously, and then you've got Baker Mayfield, which he thinks he's faster than he is, which is funny. <laughs> um, then you've got Trevor Lawrence, and then you've got a strong,
1: a strong slate of quarterbacks. Like naming these are.
2: I know, I know. And then you've got Kirk Cousins was on a fucking roll, <laughs> like. In he that game. God mode that game. He did. And then you've got uh, Joe Burrow, who's... I that mean, was
1: healthy Joe Burrow, by the way. Like right, right, right,
2: Burrow. right, right. Um, PJ, what was the Browns Walker? quarterback's naming? Yeah, there you go. Uh, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray. Um, um, what's that? Daniel Jones. I was going to say, what's that white dude's name? Uh, <laughs> <That knows laughs> and then the, then the Rams. So... Jared Goff is the most immobile quarterback they have faced all season long.
1: So I think he's in his own tier here.
2: I I started out by saying when's the last time? I was gonna say when's the last time they faced a quarterback that was as much as a statue as Jared Goff, but which I look, you can get beat by a statue all damn long. I'm not in no way downplaying Jared Goff and the fucking pretty insane season he has had. You you go and he I think he's like third in the NFL in passing yards. He has, he's has like a three to one touchdown to interception ratio. Like he is having a fucking season. But in when terms he's got of,
1: playing, he's pretty dynamite.
2: Right. And, it, but in terms of, of the 49ers finally facing a quarterback that is probably going to be where you think he's going to be when you rush the passer, like this is the first time they've had that in quite some time, or if you want to say all season long. So, and, and not to mention the fact that Jared Goff hasn't beaten the 49ers in, like, five years. Something like that. Four years. And, and even then, he's, like, 2-6 and six against the 49ers or something like that. I mean, this is an entirely different team. Most of that was on the Rams. And the two wins that he has against the 49ers were in the beginning when they either didn't have a quarterback or they were rebuilding. Anyways. So my, my, like this all His ties into
1: the Niners is not good at all. I forgot where it was. I, I was reading this. Um, he, he really struggles when he plays the 49ers. <laughs>
2: um, so again, my, my absolute key for the game is that the 49ers defensive is the 49ers defensive front. And obviously it kind of ties into, if you want to say front seven it ties into the linebackers, but they can contain the run, which, you know, Aaron Jones and the mistakes they made against him will will probably help quite a bit in their preparation for Detroit. And, and if they can get after golf, then, then that's it, you know, that's it. So uh, Debo Samuel, do you think he's playing?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, how you think he's going to be like uh, Scotty Pippen mean? decoy Debo? Yeah, that's what I think. That's, that's the question. But at the same time, just the, the gravitational pull that he has when he's on the field just by going in motion or just by lining up and in the same spot as a Brandon Ayuk or as a George Kittle, like having those two on the field, those three, four on the field um, just makes them so much more dynamic in general. So his presence will make a difference. Um, ideally they get out to a big lead and get a yank him. So, you know, the last thing you want is cause he's, he's a contact seeker. He's not, he's not avoiding contact by any means. And the last thing you want is, you know, his, his shoulder to get not like messed up more, but let's say he tweaks it. And now, you know, we're talking about, you know, is Debo going to be 100% healthy moving forward? So you, they do have to be careful for that. There's no way to have a Debo Samuel go half speed because that does not exist. So no, nope. um, I, nope. I don't know how, um, how much he'll be involved. The good news is we'll know early, right? So if, if he's healthy, he's probably gonna get the ball in the first play. <laughs> Or the second player, or the third player, like he's going to be involved <laughs> early and often because he was against the Packers. So Kyle Shanahan will go into this game with maybe more than one game plan, more, one that features Debo, one that features um, everybody else. So that that'll be interesting to see. I think it, it'll be a wait and see. Um, I mean, we're just speculating right now. I I don't see him missing an NFC Championship though.
2: No, I don't either. I don't either. But you, at the very least, if Debo's on the field, you know he's going to tie up at least one person, because CJ Garner Johnson is probably just going to be obsessed with running and hitting Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel every play. So at the very least, you'll know you'll have one guy tied up because that guy does not like Debo Samuel, which is whatever. But um, did you see uh did you see Brandon Ayuk's I- presser yesterday? Yeah. I thought it was uh, the way he ended it. Like he kind of like, I can't remember. I think he was he was saying, um, he was he was kind of asked, you know, how does the things that happened in the past kind of fuel where you are now? And he, he asked about you know the possibility of getting Trent Williams to a Super Bowl, and he was like, I, I ain't never been to a yeah, Super Bowl. That's, you know? I'm,
1: like, I'm glad you went there because I, I was laughing at that. I think he said shit. He's like, shit, I ain't never been there either. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you get there.
2: Right. And and then he ended the press conference by just saying, I can't, you know, he kind of just started talking and he's like, and I, and I, he's like, the time is now, the time is now. He kind of like, just, you could tell he was thinking like, you know, he was just, he's like, we the time this. is now, the time is, the time is right now. This, this is it, you know, like, and it, it, the way he said that reminded me of the way he felt after they lost to the Eagles last year and the things they were saying because everybody was up in arms about the things Ayuk and Debo were saying about the Eagles. Now the Eagles team they faced last year was better than the Eagles team they faced this year, obviously, but those two were absolutely convinced that they were going to eviscerate the Eagles. Like you could tell by the way they talked about it. Like, like, they saw, you know, they saw last year what they did this year, and they felt like they were probably going to do something similar. And uh, you know, it it was it, it reminded me of him saying that yesterday, talking about the times now. Reminds me of it's almost like what are they seeing in the meeting rooms right now that makes him feel like it's you know it's all theirs, like it's all there for the taking. Like, I don't I don't know what they're seeing. I I feel like they probably watch the Lions play defense, Rob. <laughs> but I, f- I feel like, man, can you imagine, like, just sitting in a meeting room while Kyle Shanahan's talking ball, like, offensively? Like, you're just, like, the shit he says and the shit he breaks down and the vulnerabilities he points out. are p- It's probably just, like, fucking, like, watching, like, getting a chance to see, like, Beethoven create a yeah. symphony or something. You know, like.
1: I can only imagine the depth that he goes in. Things that, you know, even the most high-level football
2: minds probably wouldn't
1: wouldn't see wouldn't notice
2: well even like sherman like a stanford fucking graduate that has played the highest brand of football that would have never been able to see succeed with his frame slash athletic traits had it not been for the fact that he's just fucking hyper aware and instinctual but um even he he's talked about kyle shanahan like that dude talks about football on another level, like he, 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 I even heard him. I think he was talking with Javon Hargrave. I can't remember who it was, but they said that like part of the reason players want to play with Kyle Shanahan is not just his coaching style and the fact that he's a relatable dude with a true like open door policy and stuff like that. But like they like they just getting to be in his presence and listen to him talk about football is like apparently fucking like unbelievable. So it makes me just be like, as a coach, just be like, man, can you just, can you can you just have like a Kyle Shanahan coaching clinic, please? I would kill to be
1: in one of those meetings.
2: I know. And you would like make it in a stadium, you know, or, or at the very least, like a, you know, like a, where they with an indoor stadium where they have concerts and stuff like that. Like, so we can all go and just listen to that dude talk ball. Like, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. All right. Um... What's your, uh, what's your prediction? Who? Well.
1: The Lions, like, they're not going to get shut out. That's, like, they're in no, school. Like no, no, no. They are a very good offense. They are very well coached. Um, ben Johnson is going to have some kind of explosives and schemes to go up against, uh, you know, just what Steve Wilkes does because it, the 49ers are pretty by the book defensively. Um, but I just don't know if golf protects the ball. He I, f- I found those those golf stats against the 40ers. He's three and six against the 49ers, by the way. Um okay. has seven interceptions, um, is low in those nine games, six point four yards per attempt, which is like one of the lowest in his career. Hasn't beaten the 49ers at Levi's in, since 2018. Um I think it just comes back to that margin for error, right? One team has plenty of margin for error and is not going to run into a lot of resistance. The other team is playing their first full game without their starting left guard. They want to be run heavy, probably not going to be able to run the ball like they would want to because of those injuries up front. And when I think of, you know, how the Lions would be able to move the ball and, You think of a Jameson Williams, right? You think of that speedy guy. But, like, Ambrey's actually – Ambry Thomas is actually a very linear athlete, a a good athlete, but a linear one where a Romeo Dobbs might give him trouble. But I don't think a Jameson Williams would be a a guy that, you know, would struggle against him. Ideally, you see Mooney Ward follow Amon Ross, say, Brown to the bathroom if he goes to the bathroom. (laughs) So that would be nice to – you know, if I'm going to lose this game, I'm going down with my all-pro corner – against your all-pro wide receiver. So I, I think – I do think the Lions are going to score, but I, I just don't see them getting to to 21. I don't see them – I don't know how they score three touchdowns in this game, um, you know, provided that the 49ers don't give up a long kick return, have a blocked field goal return, throw an interception in their own Fall way. over. Yeah, like have the outliers happen again, whereas in what world – are the Lions slowing down the 49ers. Like, they're plus five in the turnovers. They were plus five on the road um, in takeaways on the road this year, which is insane. Um, they just – they, they don't get stops. <laughs> and based on what we saw last week, it, it feels like this is the ultimate get-right spot. I mean, teams usually – like again, in sports in general, teams usually bounce back after they have the performance that the 49ers did last year. And most teams don't have as many good players as the 49ers do. So I think they're going to score um, closer to 35. And I think the Lions are going to be closer to like 17. I I do not think it is a, very, a good matchup for the Lions at all. Um, so I'll say 34. Let's go 34-20.
2: You want to hear a crazy fucking stat that I just looked up? This is on StatMuse, so I'd have to make sure. I'd have to double check it on, through another website. Stat different point differentials on the road in the NFL in 2023. The Detroit Lions are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth in the NFL at negative five. So, which is a crazy stat in and of itself. That negative five is ninth in the NFL. That shows you how much road teams typically struggle in the NFL on how big yeah, of a deal fair. it is. <laughs> I can't even believe I'm about to say this. If this is correct, again, I have to double check it. The 49ers are first, take a guess at their point differential.
1: And this is
2: when they're at home? No, this is on on this is the point differential for NFL teams on the road this season.
1: Man. plus 50. You ready? What is it?
2: 128. Holy fuck. There were 7 and 2 on the road.
1: Oh, the Jags. Yeah, that makes sense. They beat the, <laughs> the uh, They're a
2: hun- they're they're in the next closest team. Take a guess.
1: 160. I would think the Ravens.
2: No, okay. No. It's not the Ravens. That's what makes me look at this. Maybe this isn't correct. I don't even see the Ravens on here. Where are the Ravens? So that does check
1: out because, I mean, they beat the Commanders. They beat them down. They beat the Cardinals down. Uh, They beat Philly on the road. Uh, They beat Seattle. Uh, They beat (laughs) Jackson. Something must
2: be wrong because I don't even see the Baltimore Ravens on this list. So that makes makes me less excited about this. But, I mean,
1: Jags 31-point win. Um, Philly was like, what, 20-plus point win. Cardinals and Seahawks were both by two touchdowns. Washington, seventeen point game. Like they're they're beating the hell out of people.
2: All right, I'm trying to. Okay. Okay. Uh, well this. Okay. So I found a, a similar stat on team rankings. NFL team average scoring margin. The 49ers are first at uh, for away games at plus 14.2. So that's yeah, that, saying they they beat teams on the road by 14 points, right? That is
1: insane. Like it it, yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't have the same
2: oomph as plus one sixty, right?
1: Right. They're they're winning by two touchdowns away from home.
2: Ravens are winning by nine and a half. Yeah. Uh, like a Green Bay's third at four at point six. The let me see on here where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? Detroit is uh is tenth uh, to tenth to twelfth, and they're yeah. negative point six, which is not bad, but. like <laughs> – it's not when you're reading these numbers like that's that's okay. You're yeah, the the forty. I, I didn't. I mean, that's fucking. I'd have to, you know, again, I'd have to go back and research the point differential part. But I mean, it checks out on scoring margin too, which is yeah, fucking crazy, crazy, crazy. Philadelphia was the best in 2022. San Francisco was second. Man, that's wild. Um. Okay. So your prediction? What was your prediction score? I'm gonna go 34-20. Okay, I'm gonna go. Um, uh, I don't think they get that far. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 37. Take Moody game. Oh, um, I'm gonna go 37-24. There we go. High scoring. I guess it is. I guess it is. I mean, what did the, f- the 49ers give up against the Packers in the rain? 24, you know, 21, right? 21. No, what did the pack? What did the Packers score against the 49ers? Yeah, 20, 21. So, I mean, yeah, I think Detroit gets into the 20s. I, I mean, if they don't, then man, the 49ers defense really is cooking. Now, I'll ask you one more question before we get out of here. If, you're, if you were rooting for the 49ers to win the Super Bowl, would you rather face Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? Patrick Mahomes. I think I agree with you. Who do you think wins that game? Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And then you get the rematch. If the 49ers obviously get past the line, I think there's a
1: chance that both of these games are decided by more than a touchdown. And I'm pretty confident in that. I don't think these games are going to be close.
2: I said earlier in the week in the podcast um, by myself that I I understand that that uh, Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Than Josh Allen, but when the Chiefs beat the Bills, I was like, I feel like they did everybody a favor. Like, because I feel like although Josh Allen could kind of implode again on himself, he commits a lot of turnovers. Like, there's just something terrifying about watching him play football, and like knowing what he's capable of doing. And I felt like when the Chiefs beat the Bills, I was like, y'all should be. Last time 49ers saw Josh Allen, he toyed with the 49ers. I
1: remember that. I was at that game. It was here in Arizona.
2: and he, Yeah, he just...
1: Seriously, one of the best quarterback performances I can remember.
2: Right. And and that was also a talented defense. Was that... What year was that? Was that... Uh, that was
1: 20. That was a COVID year. And okay. they were relatively healthy. There were obviously no Nick Bosa. But the Fort like, they're statistically they are very good that year. And leading up to that game, they were very good. Right. And they just had no shot.
2: No shot. So when, and I understand Mahomes is still Mahomes, but it's, it's like when, when Josh Allen was eliminated, I was like, Ooh, man, I think that, and, and I felt the same way when the lions beat the Rams. Like I felt like the Rams just had a little something coming into the like Rams. Should both. Win their game. Yeah. Right. Right.
0: All I right. So I don't
1: think the, uh, I don't think the chiefs are going to score as much as people do. I don't, I think they're going to struggle quite a bit actually.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree. I agree. The Ravens are a special team this year, man. So special, like historically special. Um. All right. Well, I think that's it, man. And and I think that, uh, you know, obviously if the 49ers beat the Detroit lions, then you will be back on here. Maybe once, as long as you're cool with it, maybe once or twice, cause we've got a two week span. So we'll have to yeah, do a lot to talk about, you know, you'll have to do a little something, something, but I appreciate you. Dude. Thanks for, uh, thanks for hopping on and talking ball again.
1: Yeah, of course, man. Uh, I, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna have a chance to talk about it again.
2: All right, all right. Well, you heard it, you heard, you heard it here first, everybody. I love when people <laughs> say that. I'm like about anything. I'm like, really, you're 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 the first person that said Never. that. What what you just said right there. <laughs> Anyways, um, all right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Remember, pricepicks.com slash gold um, Thank you to KP for coming on again and talking ball and bestowing his wisdom upon us. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at KP underscore show. Uh, Twitter is a layup line. You can find his work at, <laughs> at dot again, read his game preview. It's awesome. It's informative. It's well-written. It's, it's long. It's not a, quite a long read, but it's, it's got plenty of, of meat in there. It's like 2000 words. It's long. It's too long. Right. Right. No, not too long. We need more of that. Why the 49ers will be in a position to win another Super Bowl after Sunday. Well, I know y'all out there are hoping that he's right. So uh, if, if all goes as planned, remember, no matter what, and I understand that none of you are going to be in that, that excited if it does go that way. But no matter what, win or lose, take away time after the game, find the tweet, leave your reply. We'll talk about it. Um, and, again, if, if everything goes as, as we have predicted, we, KP and I will be back on here at least once before the Super Bowl, maybe twice. Um, but I appreciate everybody for listening. For, if you want to leave a little bit more support, go to whatever app you're listening. Leave us a five-star review. Leave us some words if you want to. Um, that's it. That's it. The damn thing. I'm Rob. That's KP. This is Striking Gold. We're signing up.